is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story? But that's impossible! In our imaginations, though, nothing is impossible. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Amato and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato and you can also find us on pretty much all the socials at Forever Fan Pod. Same handle on everything. <laughs> yes, absolutely everything. True. Um, we are your hosts and we wanted to say happy Pride, everyone. Happy Yay! Pride. In addition, we have some very exciting news. We do. We do. We are so, so, so proud to announce that our podcast is now sponsored by Kindness Untamed. Kindness Untamed features a variety of fan art and handmade merchandise inspired by the LGBTQ plus community and sapphic media. So make sure to visit their online store at kindnessuntamed.com and you'll be able to find items inspired by shows like Winona Earp, Warrior Nun, A League of Their Own, The Last of Us, and much more. So check it out and let them know that you heard about Kindness Untamed on the Forever Fangirls podcast. Now, in today's show, we have another nostalgia versus novelty for you. Yeah, that is right. We're going to be covering, as you heard from our intro, a 1984 fantasy film that I absolutely loved as a kid growing mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm. The Neverending Story. Okay, we don't have the rights to the music. Anyway, now this is my first time seeing this, so let's see if I agree with Kimmy or not. Now, if you haven't seen The Neverending Story and continue listening past the banter, know that you will be spoiled. Ooh, apropos. Yeah, I've decided that any movie we see that's like in the 80s, I want to use this 80s type loop Okay. Thing. Uh, speaking about the 80s, well, this is probably late 80s, early 90s. Remember Blockbuster? Yeah. My dad like <laughs> basically lived there every weekend getting movies. Yeah, and we used to rent old classic films there, but now... Are you calling this film an old classic? Oh, it is. It's from the 80s. <laughs> but anyway, oh. my point is... In order for us to see this now, we had to buy it from Voodoo because Blockbuster is pretty much defunct. You know, it's funny, though, because if you think about our generation, mm. I, I started with vinyl music, but then I had cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. I know that my parents had eight tracks, but I had cassette tapes and I had to go to CDs. And then we went from CDs to like digital music. And I pretty much did the same with movies. So you had yeah. to like, buy and rebuy and rebuy and rebuy. Oh, don't forget Laserdisc. Oh, I never had Laserdisc. Oh, I that did. was too expensive. <laughs> I had Laserdisc. I Gosh. do remember having to rebuy all of my Madonna cassette tapes to CDs. That was that was. And then expensive. to digital, yeah. Mm. Buying the entire Madonna catalog. Yeah. Same with my Debbie Gibson catalog. <laughs> anyway, uh, to bring it back to Blockbuster. Yeah. Remember when you had to rewind the VHS be tapes? Be kind, rewind. Yeah. And yes. if you didn't, you'd be charged the fee. Do you remember we had the rewinders? The yes. actual, like, and they were shapes of cars and varying things to We had a plain one, but yes, I do remember you had a, a, a completely different doodad. Yeah, you, you had to have a completely <laughs> different device next to your brick of a VHS player. Yeah. Um, but anyway, enough about our uh, nostalgic. Uh, walk through. Let us go on and discuss the never-ending story, shall we? 
But before we get to the heart of the show, we just wanted to remind our listening audience that next month, we start our giveaways to commemorate our 100th episode in December. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't believe we made it there. I also can't believe it's the very last episode of the year. Like, we timed it perfectly. Yeah, we did. Because I meant to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so be sure to tune in to see what giveaways are in store. Now, you have to be subscribed to the podcast for a chance to enter. So make sure to follow our socials for more information. Yeah, we're going to be posting pictures of what we're giving away, when we're giving it away, and how to enter. Yeah. But on that note, I'm going to jump right into the synopsis of the film according to Google, because Google has everything. Mm -hmm. On his way to school, Bastian ducks into a bookstore to avoid bullies Sneaking away with a book called The Never-Ending Story, okay. Bastian begins reading it in the school attic. The novel is about Fantasia, a fantasy land threatened by the nothing, a darkness that destroys everything it touches. The kingdom needs the help of a human child to survive. When Bastian reads a description of himself in the book, he begins to wonder if Fantasia is real and needs him to survive. So these are just my initial reactions to it, right? My the opinions. novelty side? Yes, the novelty side. Would you like a sound effect for the novelty side? Uh, if you'd like to give me one, sure. If there's an emergency, crack it. I'm nervous. Why, why is this in there? No, it's not I'm a nervous. I'm nervous about look, what you're going to say. Look, I did enjoy the story. Okay. Okay. I, I really thought the themes are very on point here. It's about a boy who is dealing with the death of his mom. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's trying to he's trying to figure out how to cope with that. Yeah, and it's it's somewhat of a coming of age, right? He's he's trying to find his way. He's being bullied, and he loves to read books. Yeah, so it's actually a very compelling story. Now, for me, the the biggest thing about this movie is the song, the theme song, because I've known that theme song that you've been singing for like the whole half episode already. Really? <laughs> Just because the never-ending story. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, it's just how you have to say the title of the film. You can't not. I know. I totally understand that because <laughs> I was singing the never-ending story when it was featured in, like, the last episode of season three of the Str- of Stranger Things. That was hysterical. I love that scene. That I scene was just great. I couldn't stop laughing. Anyway, so, yeah, I love the song. Mm-hmm. And... The story was was compelling, like I said. I absolutely love the message that, you know, we should not lose the joy of reading, Mm -hmm. right? Because Bastian, the the lead reading the story, he loves to just lose himself in the book. Now, I don't know if that was uh, perpetuated by the death of his mom, Mm -hmm. or he really just loved reading books to begin with. I, you know, it's never quite clear. So I wonder if, because his dad actually says it's time to get your head out of the clouds. Mm. So I wonder if he had always read books and his mother encouraged him, you know, and he had someone maybe who didn't mind it and it would help him. But then maybe when she passed, he got worse and didn't want to deal with anything. So he jumped into books even more, which mm. is then why his father's like, you know, get back down to earth and, and get yeah. back to reality. Uh, the the reason why I like the message of, you know, never lose your love of reading books is because you do get to expand your imagination, right? Mm-hmm. You can build worlds based on the story. You can make anything as fantastical as you can because, hey, it's it's our imagination, right? Yeah. And doing that also fuels your creativity for other things. 
at least for me, that's how it was. I loved reading, and I'd like to think that it's made me creative in trying to problem solve and trying to do different things, right? So um, I can see that I struggled to read as a kid. Mm. I always struggled to read paper mm-hmm. because my eyes would read the same line over and over and over again. So I couldn't get into books. Like I struggled to read a lot. So seeing Bastian reading almost makes me a little jealous because I couldn't do it. Mm. It was so difficult for me that I was so embarrassed by it that I just didn't read. Mm-hmm. But my mom got me Stephen King and she got me the hardcovers. Mm-hmm. like from the library, and then she gave me a ruler. Oh, and that's how you got and over that? And that's how I got to reading. Yeah. So I, I think you're 100% right with reading opens up your creativity, and it opens up your mind for problem solving and things like that. I also think from a psychological standpoint, the best movie theater you have is your brain. Mm-hmm. And when you read something and you create the world in your head, you create it in your image and likeness, which means you are helping yourself through the grief by creating this world. And I think investing in children reading is so imperative for that. Yeah, reading books to me, especially if they are, they've been adapted to movies, I've always thought that you probably should read the book first. Granted, you know, I didn't know that this was a book and I didn't read this first before seeing the movie, obviously, but to your point of you know, your your mind is the best movie screen ever. Some adaptations are really, really good. Some adaptations aren't. And nothing will really, I, I think anyway, in my opinion, would ever come close to what you can create in your mind. Now, the, the metaphor in the story itself, where, you know, the, the character started to get uh, consumed by the nothing, mm-hmm. right? Because the stories die when no one reads them. So it's allowing the stories and the characters to live on because more people read them and just continue on that legacy. I thought that that was also a very incredible message. Yeah, it also for, uh, you know what, I'll put a in it for my comments. Okay, all right. So I'm going to talk about the characters from that. I finally understand... Falcor. Falcor. Yeah, you you would you would Falcor. say you would say that, and I'm like, who? What? What is that? Like, what is a Falcor? I'm like, you don't understand. No, I don't. I would randomly just say that. Be like, what do you need right now? I need Falcor. I be like, okay. I, I don't know what that is, I but can't I can't get, get that it to for you. you. You know, he still looks like a dog to me, though. Luck dragon. <laughs> Luck dragon. Uh, now. Tying this to Stranger Things, do you remember the, the convention we went to in Jersey? With the, with the guy who had the huge Falcor yeah, uh, cardboard cutout head? Right, yes. because Susie and Dusty Bun were there, the actors who played them. When I first saw it, I'm like, why is he carrying a picture of a dog? <gasps> Luck dragon. <laughs> Luck dragon. Oh, my God. I All just right. remember literally being across the hall and going, Falcor. Core. Yeah, and he did, and, and he he did that. He fist did the thing. arm, the fist up in the air, and like all of these people out of nowhere were just like arms up in the air, like yeah, Falcor. Yeah, and, and I'm I, like, I'm what? like I'm looking around, going, okay, I'm lost. What did my wife just do? <laughs> I have I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I'm in the she, twilight zone. Is she in trouble now? I mean, <laughs> um, so aside from Falcor, remember the Oracle, the, the turtle? Oh, okay, yeah, the one that was allergic to kids. Yeah. <laughs> Looked like E.T. to me. No. I saw E.T. No. I did. I did. I saw E.T. 
<laughs> oh my god, no! But mm. I, I just at least I, you didn't say it looked like Gizmo. No, no, <laughs> nothing looks like Gizmo. But something else can look like ET. Uh, it did <laughs> to me. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, so. Other than that, you know, putting aside the the special effects because this was in the eighties. Oh wow! I'm putting aside the wow. Fa- putting it aside, I I'm discounting it. I'm not discount. Do you? Oh look. <laughs> anyway, there we are, were, we're not going to agree on that. Point. There were some things that I had problems with. Okay, one is that Bastion was stuck in the attic after school for that long. It okay. was oh, nightfall. Okay. <laughs> By the time he even, like, got to the middle of the book, and his father did not come looking for him. Okay, first off, we're the generation that our parents needed a commercial that would come on at 10 p.m. every night and go, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? I do remember that commercial. we would go out and not come home until the street lamps and, like, well beyond came on. So before we, we get jumpy, let's remember the generation and the time frame it came out in. I understand that. I just, it, it freaked me out. It, I completely understand, and I'm not discounting your point. What I'm asking is, this isn't the main story. No, I know. I know so that. So for me, I can put it in the realm of disbelief because it's just, okay, would it happen today? No. Would it have happened then? Probably, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's a whole litany of things wrong with the setup, and I know that, but I think in this case, because it is a sub-story, it can fall into the realm of disbelief. Okay. You're like, no. I, it's it's <laughs> how I receive the film. Okay. Right? I'm just saying, for me, it falls into the realm of okay. disbelief. All right. The other thing that I had a little bit of trouble with, the child empress, mm-hmm. the way her teeth were felt really odd to me when I was looking at her and later on I actually found out that she she had veneers put on her because her baby teeth had fallen out and her permanent ones were, were still growing in so they didn't want to have you know that gap mm-hmm. uh, so they put veneers on her which now knowing that explains why she had a lisp and just was talking really weirdly. Also explains why the character didn't open their mouth a lot. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea about that. Yeah. I didn't. and Neither um, did I. But to be honest, it it never phased me. It's not something that drew my attention because I was so engrossed into other aspects mm-hmm. of the film. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. And again, knowing the veneers were there, makes it makes more sense as to why things happen. But, you know. Yeah. Like I said, overall, I, I love the message of the film. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was quite entertaining. Even if Falcor looks like a dog. Luck. Dragon. (laughs) And I didn't have the stuffed animal. Uh, Maybe I should get the tattoo. No. Well then, okay. So is it my turn? Mm Mm-hmm. So this is the nostalgia side? Yes, this is. Oh, stop. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. You know. I I understand. I understand. That is not fair. Thank you so much. You control control the sound effects. I gave you a sound effect. No, you didn't. I gave you ducks because I was terrified of what you were going to say. So you gave me, uh uh-oh, emergency, and you get the standing ovation? That's not fair. Yes, because it's nostalgic. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, go ahead. First off, I just want a moment. He flies. He's there when you need him. He has a very long tail, a button nose. His name is Falcor, the luck dragon. 
Luck dragon. Mm-hmm. He's a luck dragon. No dragon. Wings. He flies. He's a luck dragon. <laughs> and Mushu didn't have wings either. Uh, Mushu was still a dragon. Mushu didn't fly. Did when he was riding on the back of the horse. Just saying. All right, look, I'm going to get a little philosophical, psychological. Is that okay? That's totally fine. For me, looking back and seeing it again, it's a true coming of age story within a story. Okay. Like you said, it's the death of innocence. Mm. We look at books and we look at stories and you mentioned that if a, a person didn't read, the characters would die. That I took as youth. You know, we are forcing people to grow up too quickly, get your heads out of the cloud, face reality, do this, do that, become adults, take care of yourself, blah, blah, blah. And in doing so, we somewhat hinder the growth of imagination. Mm. And we sometimes prevent people from dreaming. And the nothing to me terrified me as a child because for me, the nothing was always death and death is nothing. You know, whatever you believe after, we believe in God, you believe in afterlife, spiritual realm, all of that I'm Mm -hmm. not getting into. But for me, when I watched it as a kid, the nothing was death, the nothing was an end. So I always run from the nothing. Looking at Bastion and and seeing it now, I still feel it as death. Mm -hmm. But it's the death of innocence. It is the death of hope. It is the death of who you are. Not physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically. And, you know, furthering that point, you know, Atreyu, he's a child. They all expected this big, massive hero to walk up. And here comes this kid. And, like, you sent for me. And, like, what? You're the kid? You're who's supposed to stop us from well, the his nothing? legend uh, preceded, him. preceded him, yeah. But the point is, he's a child. Innocence and imagination and dreams and hopes are always wrapped around as if they're a child. Mm. There's something you need to nurture. Mm-hmm. When you then have the nothing, and as we grow up and we're expected to get our, like I said, our heads out of the clouds and and out of books and focus on schoolwork, reality that leads to our imagination and our youthfulness shrinking. So the nothingness starts to chip away at it and chip away at it and chip away at it. And we start to lose what we're supposed to nurture. You know, you lose your soul. Yeah, you lose yourself. In all of that responsibility, you lose yourself. Mm. You know, Bastion hides from grief of losing his mother in the books he reads and he processes things through his imagination, right? So like you mentioned that you love the story of the coming of age and how he was using, we had discussed him using books to kind of help him deal with his grief. He even names, and I didn't know this until much, much later when I read the captions, is he names the Empress Moonchild, which is in honor of his mother. It's coming full circle. Right. So he lost her. He's in, you know, dealing with his grief. He's processing it and he lets it go by naming and honoring his mother. Mm-hmm. Artax, God, Artax, oh my God, that still makes me cry to this day. Yeah, even before that scene came on, you started like squeezing my hand and you were already oh, tearing up. I could start crying right now thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, when, when I tell people, I, I was texting people when we were watching it. I said, oh my God, we're watching The Never Ending Story. And some of my friends are like, oh, you know, I've never seen it. I was like, what? But, you know, my brothers, I was like, yeah, we're seeing The Never Ending Story and I'm, I'm about to bawl my eyes out. And they both sent me the... Uh, gif of Artax sinking and I sent it back to them at the exact same time Mm. it's just all of us know and it's such a gut-wrenching heartbreaking scene because here is this you know young kid who's gonna save the world and he's gonna stop the nothing and he's gonna do this and he's gonna do that and the big strong horse that he's with the foundation he rides upon is sinking Mm. 
it is being overwhelmed by sadness in the swamp of sadness. And he's begging his horse, please find something, find anything to hold on to. Don't let it encompass your life and drown you. And the next scene, you see him sitting at the edge of the swamp area. And yes, I know there's a little thing there because he doesn't sink, even though he's sad at our taxes. I was going to say. not going to go there. Yeah. Because I also think he knows he has hope that maybe he can stop the nothing and bring the horse back. Mm. That's what I always thought. But for me, the, the sadness took him over and enveloped him and swallowed him whole. In the end, the way I see it, the sadness, the nothing, all of it can be beaten by hope. Even at the end when, when the princess, the empress rather, is standing there and he goes, what is that little light? And she said, it is all that is left of Fantasia. But that's all you need. You, you just need, spark. need one spark. One little light can illuminate the way. And the reason I say this is such an important film, and I, again, maybe I'm really reaching, maybe this is just what it means to me. Mm -hmm. The film is also about living your truth with your inner spark. Finding your way through the sadness of everyone trying to stop you, of the nothing nipping at your heels, telling you you must be what society deems appropriate. Instead of living your life as you are supposed to live it. You're standing in your truth. And that, that actually is a good way to just bring back the fact that we are celebrating pride, mm -hmm. you know, this month, that you have to live your authentic self in yeah. order to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that scares people. Maybe that scares people because for them, they've lost that spark and they don't know where to find it. Mm. I don't know. I don't know why these laws are being passed. I don't know why there's so much hate and lies and blame and all of this stuff being shifted onto our community. I don't know. What I do know is that when I see somebody living their authentic selves, it helps me also have a spark. It reminds me that I, I have that ability to live my truth. And it reminds me that I'm blessed because yeah. I have you. I've found, you know, a chosen family and I'm blessed to still have my family that somewhat nurture my spark for, for my hope, for my love. It's funny because I was just thinking, you know, we were, we were spending um, a few days in the, in the city mm -hmm. and there is, and maybe it's just me, but there seems to be like a different energy in the city. It's more open, mm -hmm. almost, almost joyous. There's pride flags everywhere. everywhere. Times Square had it on the billboards, you know, and I know corporations probably like McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, MTA has, you know, the, the, the pride flag prominently displayed on all of their screens. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I just, I absolutely adore it. And this is the first year, and again, it might be just me, that I just felt a different energy in the city. Maybe. Maybe it's because of all of the negative stuff that's going on. Mm. I don't know. Um, but back to the never-ending story. <laughs> um, I really think and, and hope that people find that spark and hold on to that spark because the characters in the book, I always thought that they were part of Bastion. The, the soldier, the one who's going to soldier on and make it through the grief, right? That's Atreyu. The one who's drowning in the pain of losing his mother, Artax. The empress needs to be named 
put a name on your grief, accept your grief, and then let it go. Let it become part of you and move on from it. Mm. I could go into all of the other characters, even The Rock, where he says at the end, he's like, I had all of my friends in my hand and my hands are so big and so strong, but yet I let them go. I couldn't stop the nothing. I lost my friends Mm. because nothing is powerful. When you've lost hope. It doesn't matter how strong you are. You need help to find that hope and that spark. So that's what I always thought this film, to an extent. I mean, as a kid, it was a very different vibe. Mm -hmm. As an adult, I see it differently. Well, it's a good thing that you see it differently. But the fact that you still feel that moved by the film Mm -hmm. is a testament to how good the film is for you. And as a kid, I always viewed it as you could be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Just don't give up. Mm. Keep going. Keep moving forward. And I think that's a good place to end it, eh? So that is our discussion of the never-ending story. Now it's time for our nostalgia versus novelty ratings. Drum roll, please. Falcor! Oh, goodness. Oh, come on. It was just, it's so perfect, right? Drum roll, Falcor! <laughs> and then the luck dragon just so, oh, it's perfect. Anyway, my novelty rating here is three stars. And the story was entertaining enough that I enjoyed watching it, you know, despite the dated special effects. You know, I'm just going to say that just to annoy you, right? Well, we're going we're gonna to agree to disagree. Uh, okay. Um, it is very relatable for anyone who has ever faced adversity, and it has an uplifting message that you can overcome anything if you have belief in yourself. I have a lot more to say, and okay. I'm going to apologize, because my nostalgia rating is a 4.5. Okay. It is everything I remembered, and I still, like I mentioned before, ball hysterically at Artak's uh, giving in to his sadness in the Swamp of Sadness and Sinking. I cannot tell you how much that traumatized me as a child, and to this day, it still hits me in the chest like a baseball bat. Mm. I'm going to go back to my... The background special effects are dated. I will agree with you on that. My counterpoint to that is, I think the majority of the special effects actually hold up well today and will continue to hold up because they were done practically. You had makeup, you had miniature sets built, you had perspective shifts. All of those things make them look still more real than I would counter a film done today another 40, 50 years from now. Mm. In fact, I was reading, this was one of Germany's most expensive films at 27 million and it only covered half the book. And this again was Whoa, the 80s. 27 million in yeah. the 80s? Yeah. That's a lot of money. That was a lot of money at the time. And the author, and I'm going to pronounce the name possibly wrong, I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. Michael Endy, actually hated it. I feel for him because he doesn't think that his 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 vision. vision was translated properly. He actually called the film and the subsequent sequels, which I never saw. I'm not going to lie. I never saw the sequels, so Mm. I can't make a judgment call on them. Quote, a gigantic melodrama made of kitsch and commerce plush and plastic. Mm. That's harsh. It's a very harsh comment. And I kind of wish I could just have a conversation with him and be like, you know, do you have any idea what your, your book in that film translation meant to me? Yeah. Because for me, it is such an impact on my youth and it still has an impact today about hope and not giving up and not losing. You know, I will never forget the message that you can fight all consuming grief and you can make it through. You might be covered in a lot of mud, 
but you can get there. And sometimes all you need is your will, your hope, and a little bit of luck, dragon, to get you through the day. Either way, in my opinion, I feel that this film says as long as there is hope, you can achieve anything you dream of. And kudos to Wolfgang Peterson for actually bringing that vision to film because clearly it was a very big impact for you. Yeah. So So on that note, that is going to be our show for today, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. If you did see The NeverEnding Story, what did you think of it? What is one scene that stands out most to you? And if you haven't seen it and you plan to, let us know what you think of it. And don't forget, if you want to be entered into any of our giveaways, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and follow us on all our socials so that you'll get news of when we're doing what contest giveaway when. Yes. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, you're only as strong as your belief in yourself. As Falcor says, quote, never give up and good luck will find you, end quote. He should know he's a luck dog, a dragon. Falcor!